KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener-supported community radio. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives every weeknight at 6 here on Listener's Community Radio of Utah. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up tonight, Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy's International Youth Summit happens this weekend. We're going to have a panel discussion with some of the folks, the young folks who are working to achieve the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals here in the Beehive State. Well, they're working on a couple of the issues, and we're going to find out exactly what and why and perhaps how you could get involved or a young person you know might want to get involved and go to the summit this weekend. Plus, the Rural Utah Project turns five. They're throwing a big party tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. We'll tell you all about that, as well as how you can get involved in the work that that nonprofit does. And Fridays for Future Global Strike for Climate Change happens this Friday. They're going to take part in rallies and resources here in just a minute. Now, if you go to krcl.org and click on Community Affairs, you'll find a tab called Rallies and Resources. It's a list of upcoming events and uh, help in the community curated by the Radioactive team. And of course, if you've got something that should be on this list, maybe that we should talk about on this show, you can always send me an email, radioactive at krcl.org. All right, the Utah Humanities Book Festival is going on through the end of October. There are dozens of events taking place. And all you gotta do is check out the calendar. They've got a link tree, we'll put it in the show notes as well as in rallies and resources. And you can find out all the cool stuff happening. For, for instance, if you're in Brigham City tonight, it's Grumpy Bird with Jeremy Tankard. Then you've got The Invisible Kingdom with Megan O'Rourke on the 20th at 5.30. And then this one is really interesting to me. It's coming up on the 20th as well. Reading, reading Dangerously, Community Conversations About censor, Censorship in Books. It's something we'll talk about on the show in depth tomorrow night. But you might want to get this on your calendar for tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the Salt Lake City Public Library. It's Banned Books Week going on as we speak. So these conversations, they're just informational and participants are encouraged but not expected to have read the book or be up to date on it. But you can get a link to the material and what they're going to be talking about. And Dr. Hollis Robbins, Dean of Humanities at the University of Utah, will be leading part of the conversation. But they're talking about The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. They're talking about Lawn Boy by Jonathan Avision. I Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street by Dr. Seuss. All American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Reynolds rather, and Brendan Keeley. Just some of the books they'll be talking about tomorrow night as part of the Utah Humanities Book Festival. And now let's get to our special guests coming up on Friday. Fridays for Future Utah is holding another day of action. And joining us to talk about it, we have Ava Curtis and Melanie Van Hook. Hi, thanks for coming back in. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about yourselves first. All right, so Ava, you're a freshman at the University of Utah. What are you studying? Environmental and Sustainability Studies. And was this before or after you involved in Fridays for Future? This was after. <laughs> so part of your activism has led to something you're studying as well. 
Yeah, um, I've been involved in organizing for clean energy in school districts. And that's how I first got started. And then I got connected with the people over at Fridays. And yeah, it kind of led me to figuring out what I wanted to study. And Melanie Van Hook, your sophomore at West High, how's it going so far this school year? It's going really well. Yeah. So how did you get involved in Fridays for Future? Um, in about eighth grade, my friend and I decided that we wanted to make a difference. So we um, got in touch with uh, the people who are in charge of Fridays for Future Utah um, because it had been pretty inactive for the past couple of years. So we kind of took over and got it back up and running. So what is coming up on Friday? And before that, you've got a, a thing on Wednesday to build art, I think, with Sierra Club. Who yeah. wants to talk about that? Yeah, that's right. Um, on Wednesday, we'll be doing a community art build over at Sierra Club just to um, prepare some art for the strike. So people can come down and join you, and you'll have some supplies there. You're making some signs and some banners. Yeah. What is the big message on Friday? So the theme of the global strike this year is people not profit. Um, so the, the goal of the strike is just to bring awareness to the issues of climate change and you know drought and all these other issues that come with it that are facing our city and to you know demand action. We're gonna be up at the Capitol. That's gonna be lots of fun, right? Mel uh, tell me a little bit more. Um, so something that we like to focus on is that we really need to focus on the people that are being affected by climate change and how minorities and people who aren't able to fight for themselves are struggling because of climate change. So we're really focusing on people over profit. And right now, all that the government is really caring about is profit instead of m fixing climate change. Um, by investing into like fossil fuel industries and stuff. So um, that just needs to change. Okay, so you're going to be calling for this on Friday, Fridays for Future Global Climate Strike. So this is happening not just in Utah? Yeah, um, so Fridays for Future as an organization was founded by Greta Thunberg, who's from Sweden in 2019. Um, so she famously camped down the steps in her own country saying, I'm not moving until we get some movement. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so this is an international organization founded by her, and um, we're just one of the many, many chapters across the world. So what's going to happen on Friday? What's the timeline? Who wants to share that? Um, so we'll start at Washington Square Park at 5 o'clock p.m., and we will work on a group art project, um, and then we will head up to the Capitol for some speakers and some chants and just some community, just feeling the power. And then um, around seven, we will all march back down to Washington Square Park so that people can safely get to their cars and safely get home. Excellent. So do you have any lineup planned out, Ava? Who's going to speak or what people will be hearing? Yeah, so we'll have some people coming from our organization. Um, we also have Mandy Merrill coming from Granite Clean Energy and some people from Citizens Climate Lobby and an animal liberation group. And then we'll end the event by opening the mic to anyone. And we're going to be working on a collective letter to the governor 
So everyone can put in their input and then we'll get that sent out to him next week. All right. Thanks, Ava and Mel. How can people get in touch between now and the events that are happening this week with Fridays for Futures? Our website, social media, Mel. Um, the place that we're most active is our Instagram, which is fridaysforfuture.ut. Um, and you can see all that we're doing, the times, the date, the plans for all strikes and um, our weekly strikes. So there you can just find all of our information. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Ava Curtis and Melanie Van Hook. I appreciate your time and shouting out to the community what you're up to and inviting them to join you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to check ch- uh, pivot now to our other guest in the studio tonight, and that's TJ Ellerbeck of the Rural Utah Project. It's been a while since we've had some folks on and caught up with you, and I saw that your five-year anniversary is on. you got a big old party planned. Where's that going to be and when? Yeah, thanks so much, Laura. It's great to be back here. I think uh, the very first um, interview I did after I started at the Rural Utah Project five years ago was yeah. KRCL, so <laughs> it's it's fun to be back here. Yeah, our birthday party is tomorrow evening, Tuesday, September 20th. We're going to be at Mountain West Cider on, uh, on 4th West and 4th North, just a couple of blocks from the KRCL studio. Uh, at 7 p.m., 7 to 9 p.m. tomorrow. So five years of helping folks in rural Utah get registered to vote, getting those addresses that were so crucial. I remember that's what I think we were talking about is using, you know, uh, Google or Internet addresses to get people registered or a place that, that would count. And the fight that was on in certain parts of rural Utah to say, no, that can't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a project that we have been doing for four of those five years now, I guess, in San Juan County, Utah, uh, the very furthest southeast part of the state. That's where the Utah portion of the Navajo Nation is. Um, And that addressing program has been really important in getting thousands of voters registered in the correct precinct so they get the right ballot. But also those plus code addresses can be used for people to call, say, call 911 and get an ambulance or fire truck right to their home instead of using an old school descriptive address to tell people where to go. And I think the last time we had someone on from rural Utah, which wasn't that long ago, it was the kind of the Uber Eats project is what I call it, using those same plus codes to try and um, get folks to uh, order food or services that way, which is hard in rural Utah. But taking those plus codes and expanding them for more convenience and services in rural Utah. How's that going? Yeah, we we did a, a week long pilot event. We partnered with a food delivery app called Chow Now and uh, a handful of local food vendors and Rural Utah Project staff acted as delivery drivers for a few days. Um, I did a couple of those deliveries. It was, it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, it allowed people to, to order, um, order food just like us in Salt Lake City could do. That convenience. Right, yeah, yeah. And it, it got delivered right to their doorstep, still hot. So It is National Voter Registration Week, as I recall. So what is the big push from Rural Utah Project as we head into yet another pretty big election? Yeah, yeah. And actually, tomorrow's National Voter Registration Day, which is part of why we chose tomorrow to to be our fifth birthday party. Um, But uh, yeah, we are doing work all across southeastern Utah. We're registering voters just as we have been every day for the last five years. But this election is so important, not just nationally, but also locally. At the Rural Utah Project, we know local elections are the ones that have the biggest impact on our lives. And um, those are the elections that are usually decided by just a handful of votes. So voter voter registration and participation is just as important or more important than ever, especially with 
recent attacks on our democracy. Well, I was noticing that you have a lot of great stuff on your website, which is? RuralUtahProject.org. But one of the calls you have is Be a Vocal Local. Tell us about that campaign. Yeah, we, so the Rural Utah Project, we're a small team. We have 10 people on our staff. There are three of us here in Salt Lake and the other seven are spread out, spread out across southeastern Utah. And we think it's really important for, for our team to be part of the communities we work in. And um, also just going back to what I said before about local elections being the most important. They're also the, the, the elections that the fewest people vote in and the elections where your voice can have the biggest impact. And it doesn't just end at the ballot box. That also extends to, you know, showing up at a county commission meeting or during a legislative hearing to have your voice heard. And we're trying to build a, uh, build a community of people who want to be involved in the process and have a say on how local governments make a difference in their lives. How's that going? It's going good. It's uh, it's Every part of Utah is unique. Um, we've done work across seven counties in southeastern Utah over the last five years. This year, we're focused really heavily in San Juan and Grand Counties. And, uh, you know, there are successes and challenges all over the place. Um, you know, if you go to a place like Garfield County, where we've done a lot of organizing over the last couple of years, that's where Pingwich is. That's where uh, part of Grand Staircase Escalani National Monument is. Um, that's a place that hasn't seen a lot of grassroots organizing. And that means there's a lot of opportunity, but it also means there are a lot of, a lot of challenges to overcome. What's your call to folks in the Beehive State on this fifth anniversary of the Rural Utah Project to get involved and engaged with your nonprofit? Yeah, the, I mean, the first thing I would say to anyone who was listening is to make sure you're registered to vote. You can check that at vote.utah.gov. And uh, make sure you look for your ballot the week of October 17th. It should come in the mail. But the second thing is, if you're interested in being involved with our work, in learning more, in learning how to volunteer, whether you're a rural or an urban Utahn, you can do that if you go to our website, ruralutahproject.org. There's a volunteer sign-up link and an email sign-up link, and you can um, sign up to learn more and get involved in the work we do. You know, I really think it's important, folks, to, to hear what TJ is saying, because it's called the Rural Utah Project, but what happens in rural Utah really impacts, as we've seen San Juan County and the makeup of the county commission change to majority uh, indigenous representation down there. And I'm just kind of... I'm really watching what's going to happen in these coming elections to see if what look like progressive gains are, are maintained, if the community down there stays engaged. But um, you don't have to live in rural Utah to help make a difference down there, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I, I can give just a little bit of background about San Juan County. Um, that's a county that's it's a majority indigenous county. It always has been. And uh until 2018, there'd never been an indigenous majority elected to any county board or commission. But in 2018, uh, that year, the Rural Utah Project ran a voter registration program in San Juan County, Utah, and also the voters of San Juan County elected their first ever majority indigenous county commission. And that majority is up for re-election this year. So uh, the it's election, election, yeah, the election this county. year, yeah, will have. Uh, it will determine what the next four years of San Juan County look like. And this is the county that's home of Bears Ears National Monument, home of Canyonlands National Park, some of the most beautiful landscapes in in Utah. 
And um, these next four years will be determined by what happens on November 8th this year. And part of the crucial conversation on the future of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante is we see the ping pong back and forth, depending on which party's president is in the Oval Office and then the fate of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase, right? Yeah. And which which party's county commissioners represent those counties at a local level. That has a lot Mm. to do with it, too. Have you been finding pushback against your work with these plus codes? Any challenges since we first started talking to you? Because I know there were challenges when you started. Yeah, there there are always challenges, and rural Utah is um, rural Utah is a, a very diverse place in a lot of ways, uh, but there's also a definite majority out there, and so there's a lot of a lot of challenges to overcome. There's there are times where we get pushback. We've also been able to build a lot of bridges, though, with our our addressing program mm-hmm. in San Juan County. We've worked really closely with the San Juan County Clerk's Office, who. When we first started five years ago, they may not have counted the Rural Utah Project among their closest and most trusted friends. Um, but uh, but we've made a lot of friends there now, and I think that we've managed to find a lot of common ground and are working to get, working together to make sure everyone has a chance to vote. And I see from your Instagram feed that you are having Rural Utah Project organizers at the party tomorrow, so you can learn more directly from folks who are working on the ground in Southern Utah. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned those seven members of our team who are spread out across southeastern Utah. All of them are up in Salt Lake City right now. And we'll all be together at Mountain West Cider tomorrow night if you want to join us and meet our team from across the state. Now that sounds like a fifth year anniversary party with a lot of pull. <laughs> I, I hope so. There, there'll be a silent auction. There'll be a cake. Um, a birthday cake. But you said cake. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so come get a slice um, and come learn what the Rural Utah Project's about. Great. We'll put a link in the show notes tonight so folks can connect directly to it. I'm sure folks can get ticket tickets at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can you can find us on Eventbrite. There's a Facebook event page or just show up. And what's the website one more time for Rural Utah Project? RuralUtahProject.org. TJ Ellerbeck. Come back anytime. Thank you okay. so much. We should get some of your organizers in here. Yeah. They're here tomorrow, so maybe we can come down to the station and we can uh, record some interviews. Okay. okay. Yeah, All that right. would be great. All right, folks, stick around. We got the uh, Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy International Youth Summit up next. And with all that in mind and what we've been talking about, here's no time for love like now. It's Michael Stipe and Big Red Machine on KRCL. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Love Promise a partnership with local nonprofit organizations to support and strengthen our community. Now accepting applications for 2023 nonprofit partnerships. More information on Mark Miller Subaru's love promise and application process at markmillersubaru.com. The City Library and the Great Salt Lake Collaborative present The History of the Great Salt Lake, a conversation about the cultural history of the lake, Wednesday, September 28th, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Marmalade Branch, 280 West, 500 North in Salt Lake City. For more details, visit greatsaltlakenews.org. Downsizing your car collection or simply tired of looking at that project car sitting in the back of your driveway in pieces? Either way, consider donating it to KRCL, and our friends at Cars, Inc. will take it from there. No hassles, no fees. You get a tax receipt, and KRCL gets a donation. But best of all, the music you love never stops. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more information and how to donate. Thanks, y'all. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8. 
Night Train with Michelle Tanner at 10.30 and John Florence back to start your brand new day at 6 a.m. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. And tonight, we're going to be talking with three young folks in our community working on sustainability goals. But before we get there, I have Vincent Carson from the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy. That's the program that brings us this panel tonight, Vincent. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on, Laura. Absolutely. Uh, This International Youth Summit is coming up on Saturday. Is there still an opportunity for youth and youth defined as ages 14 to 32 by this program? Yeah, we have a really broad definition of youth um, on purpose because we think that even folks who are 32 years old are still young and even (laughs) beyond that. Um, So the International Youth Summit is a free conference um, for just that age range. Um, Anyone in Utah who is that age is welcome to join us. Um, We still have a few spots left. Um, We would love to have folks uh, come on Saturday. Okay, so this is for young Utahns passionate about global issues, and the theme is Rising Tide. Yeah, so we chose this theme um, really as a representation of youth. Um, So it's a triple entendre for the idea of youth leadership, um, for the impacts of uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then climate change in the Great Ah, Salt Lake. So like our friends from Fridays for Future talking Mm -hmm. about. There's some specific session topics. What can folks look forward to? Yeah, so some of the sessions that I'm really excited about are um, a one-year retrospective on the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, um, investing, transforming um, the futures of young people. That's with the International Labor Organization. Um, And then the one that I'm really excited about is why young leaders must work for more equitable and anti-racist communities. Excellent. Now, the panelists that you helped collect and select for mm-hmm. our panel discussion, that didn't sound right, um, are, are working on something called 7 for 17. Tell us about this. Yeah, so as part of the summit, um, we started an awards program called 7 for 17, which identifies young, seven young people within that age range who are working to achieve one of the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals right here in Utah. And that ranges from gender equity to insecurity to climate action to energy. Um, you name it, and it's in one of those goals. You've been on before with other young folks mm-hmm. that have been recognized for their work. And how crucial is it to the mission of the Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy? Diplomacy, where you promote respect and understanding between the people of Utah and other nations, just one handshake at a time. Mm-hmm. How important is it to do it? Because I think of that as like an adult, very academic kind of thing. So how important is it to have students and youth working on these issues? My biggest pet peeve is when um, somebody who is a little bit more advanced in age says that they <laughs> are so diplomatic. <laughs> that they are um, looking for the youth to change things, that the mm-hmm. youth have to have to fix things. Uh-huh. The youth are fixing things. Yeah. The youth are doing that work right now, and we need to be recognizing that and celebrating that. Yeah. So how can folks listening to this get involved? Mm-hmm. There's the conference on Saturday, but there's ongoing work that UCC does to get young folks engaged in our community. Yeah, so um, I work on a high school leadership program called the Young Diplomats of Utah. Um, we have a scholarship uh, called the Global Leader Scholarship Fund that actually two of our panelists here tonight are recipients of. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, and then um, we also have a um, professional development program for um, folks who are in their late 20s, early 30s, but looking to get a little bit more experience with diplomacy. Okay. 
So that scholarship, the two mm-hmm. of them, I, I expect them to shout that out when they introduce themselves. What does that mean? What do they get to do? Yeah, so um, we launched it two years ago um, as a legacy of the United Nations conference that was in Utah in 2019. Under former Mayor, uh, Salt Lake City Mayor Jackie Biskupski. And we work really closely with her as well as um, several other of the planning committee from that conference on the scholarship. Um, and we send young people to international conferences and events. Uh, uh, and you just went, right? Yeah. I, w- I was folks? just with Obaid um, in Manchester, England. Um, and then Haley is about to head to Washington, D.C. Um, in a few weeks. Um, we have spent two years planning this. We couldn't travel until uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And we were so excited to launch this scholarship with two years of cohorts. That's fantastic. All right, what's the website one more time? UtahDiplomacy.org. Hey, Vincent, thanks for coming down with the panelists. If you'll pass your microphone over to Obaid, we're going to get started and have them introduce themselves. Obaid Baraksai, how are you and how was London? I, I'm, I'm doing amazing. London was super awesome. Um, I've always been super passionate about, you know, drinking tea, all kinds of tea. So I've always <laughs> wanted to, you know, go There's and explore. Tea diplomacy instead of throwing tea, it in the harbor. <laughs> or, or you could, you know, put it in better words, tea diplomacy. If you it. like combine they, tea and diplomacy. Portmanteau, which is, yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like it was an amazing opportunity to get to know and meet people from all around the world, different cultures, different backgrounds, and also to talk about some of the most pressing global issues that we face as young people Mm -hmm. these days. So it was an incredible trip. We had um, students and young leaders and community organizers from over 196 countries. So it was an amazing opportunity, but um, for those listening, but yeah, my my name is Obaid Baragzai. Um, I was born and raised in Kabul, Afghanistan, and I left home when I was really young, graduated from high school um, when I was about 12 and a half, 13 years old, back home. And then I went to Indonesia for high school for the second time, graduated again, and then I traveled the world, attended uh, many different programs, and then I came to Utah for high school again for the third time, graduated again in 2018, and then went to Westminster College and graduated um, about four months ago. So, Well, congratulations on all so that, that hard work. What is the sustainability goal that you are focused on? Peace, justice, and strong institutions. Mm-hmm. Is it tied to your, your former home country, Afghanistan, or is it across the board? I've, I would say it's more of an international work that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So back in 2014, July, I went to attend the Seeds of Peace International Campus in Maine. Um, and there I had the opportunity to potentially organize camps and um, sessions on conflict resolution that how young people and community organizers from around the world can come together to resolve conflict through having a conversation having a humanizing dialogue that's not nestled in what the news and the media tells everyone to to listen to. So I've been part of that, that I've been organizing similar facilitation spaces for the past almost nine years now. Mm -hmm. And I've also been part of the postcards for peace organization based in the United Kingdom. I wish I had the opportunity to visit them, but of course I think the trip was super packed, so I couldn't go and visit. Um, So I've been part of that as well. And recently, unfortunately, due to the recent crisis, in Afghanistan, uh, I was able to help hundreds of families with their humanitarian paroles, and I interpreted over 25 or 2,600 um, interpretation appointments in different languages to make the language more accessible to everyone and for them to feel welcome 
and include it in, in Utah and find their new home. That's fantastic. I understand you're a certified linguist and fluent in seven languages. Yes. So you're able to work with a variety of folks and cross those cultural bridges, it sounds like. Absolutely, because I feel like knowing and speaking a language could can potentially like bring a lot of context into someone else's culture and it helps you understand who those folks and people are that I actually yeah. work with. Um, and I'm and I'm still trying to learn more languages. I feel like the next one in line is Spanish, ah. that I've that I've started to learn a little bit more about. But yeah, I will keep you updated on that in a year. All right, thank yeah. you so much. All yes. right, let's move on to Haley Hernandez. Hi, Haley. Grab that mic and get it right where it needs to be, and tell us about yourself. Hello, my name is Haley Elizabeth Hernandez. Um, I am a first generation Mexican and Native American. I graduated from Utah State University with a bachelor's in family consumer human development and a minor in sociology. Uh, while I was at Utah State, I did AmeriCorps, so I'm an AmeriCorps alumni. And uh, after I was done, I went and worked for Catholic Community Services, working at their 12-hour homeless shelter. Um, while I was there, I was promoted to program improvement specialist, so I had the opportunity to open the Gail Miller Shelter. Um, create the policies, procedures, and training of all those 60 staff when they first came on board. Um, and while I was doing that, I decided that I wanted to get my master's from Westminster University now. So That's I right. Just, I saw that announcement today. Yeah. So I just graduated this last August with my master's in community leadership and an emphasis in trauma resilience and restorative justice. And since then, I have uh, moved on to a position in Summit in Wasatch County. I am the basic needs assistance data coordinator, the first in the state to focus on rural homelessness and reporting to the state office of homelessness our specific needs in the rural communities. That's a huge lift because it's part of the conversation, you know, you don't go homeless only in Salt Lake City. So what is happening in rural Utah and what resources are available there to keep people in the communities where they live is crucial. Great yeah. work. Thank you. Now you're going to go to Washington, D.C. on the scholarship program. Yes. What are you hoping to do there? Um, I'm hoping to make some new connections and, and learn how to lead our community and really make a, a voice in rural homelessness and make sure that people know that we're there. People need support and help, and it's different. It's different. <laughs> it's very different yeah. than urban and, and city homelessness. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And now we have Muskan Walia. How are you? Welcome back to Radioactive. Hi, Laura. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, you've been here on some other work. Yeah. But why don't you introduce yourself how you'd like for the purposes of this conversation to our listeners? Sure. Um, I am Muskan. Um, I am a recipient for the Affordable and Clean Energy um, Sustainability Goal. Um, I founded, launched a campaign um, two years ago um, in my local school district, Davis School District, for 100% clean energy. Um, and since then, have been working on that campaign and also working to expand these clean energy campaigns in Utah. Um, I'm also a organizer at Utah Youth Environmental Solutions, which you know about. Yeah, um, you, they were just on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> With um, the, the die-in at the Great Salt Lake, Exactly, I think. exactly. Um, and working on a, well, we've already completed a climate justice curriculum um, and learning about sort of direct action and then the die-in, like you mentioned. Um, I am a third-year student at the University of Utah studying math and philosophy. 
um, and also just a person that enjoys gardening and bird watching and making pottery. Well, thank you for being here, and I'm not uh, cutting you short. I'm going straight to music now, so you get to pick a song. You sent uh, quite a few, so I'm not sure which one it is. Why don't you tell me so I can I can pick the one you want to start with? Okay, <laughs> um, let's start with Tristi Loka Uma. Oma. Um, do you want me to like yeah, give tell an us introduction? what the song okay. is? The artist, why you sure. picked it, what it says? Yes. Um, so I was in Brazil this summer, and so I got a deep introduction into music, um, which is very rich in Brazil. And this was sort of a niche song um, that someone had told me about, a local, a local person had told me about. Um, and it's a woman singing about sort of like cultural ties and, and ties that sort of restrain us um, and restrain us from sort of unlocking like true identity and being able to create um, and so the music video is really beautiful I wish we could see it but it's it's a really liberating song and um, you know she's specifically talking about um, her personal identity with and her relationship with gender but um, I think it when I listened to it really applied to just you know broader broader identities you know mm -hmm. gender of course but also uh, my identity as a person of color um, as a first-generation American etc and how um, cultural restraints can can withhold us from exploring things but also um, was really liberating to hear uh, to sort of let go of those shackles and just explore and be liberated and the song title again Trishi Loka Uma by Francisco El Hombre on KRCL Radioactive Music Meets Activism mm -hmm. Kalisi on KRCL 90.9 Music Meets Activism with my guests from the upcoming International Youth Summit. And this song, Kalise, picked by Muskan Walia. What is this song about and why do you want to share it? Yeah, another one that I learned about in Brazil. So this one was sort of, um, it was composed during the infamous military dictatorship in Brazil, um, which when I was there was really like a heavy thing to learn about. Um, so the two artists, which are pretty iconic artists, um, sort of got targeted by the government for speaking up against um, the inhumanity that they were that they were putting on on the people and, and murdering and imprisoning the people of Brazil. Um, and so Calice means um, basically like shut up or be quiet. So it explores within the song um, sort of the silence that the government is putting on the people, but mm. also silence. Like you can't really hear silence, but you, you really can hear silence, right? Yeah. Um, and so it sort of explores you hear that. what's missing, right? Exactly. Um, and so it has a lot of Brazil's a pretty religious place, and so it has some religious influence, but um, it explores sort of this notion of silence and oppression um, really beautifully. And by the way, you just picked up Portuguese while you were there, right? <laughs> Just added that you to your that. tools. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Haley, we're going to come back over to you and a song. And what I've asked folks to do when they come on and we do a round of music meets activism to pick songs that they care about, reflect the work that they do, or, or some aspect of the conversation we're having. So what song did you pick and why? I chose Tupac Changes. Um, one, because it was a major anthem for me while I was protesting during the summer of 2020. Um, Tell us a bit more about protesting during uh, the summer 2020. <laughs> where and I did you protest flip any cars? I wanted to. <laughs> I, I kicked a couple of cars. I got hit by a truck. Oh my <laughs> I gosh. was out there 45 days. Wow. Um, but that was one of 
The few times growing up in Utah where I truly felt that I had a community and a community that actually saw me for who I was and my value. Um, so that was a very important time to me. As well, this song covers a lot of misconceptions about homelessness. Um, single mothers, drug abusers, um, the pipeline from school to prisons, um, having to make choices of whether you're gonna steal somebody's purse just to get food for your family that night. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of situations where people that have never been um, experienced poverty or homelessness have never had to make those decisions. Yeah. On previous rounds of Music Meets Activism, we've had Bill Tibbetts from Crossroads Urban Center in here, and he talked about, they thought the demand on the food banks would kind of taper off a bit after quote unquote COVID ends, right? But no, it's going up more and more because of what's going on with the economy, and jobs and wages not keeping pace uh, with the cost of living or inflation over the decades, right? Exactly. So what are you seeing in the work that you, you do on those issues when it comes to homeless? Are you finding more folks coming into the system? Yes. So um, my work, the Christian Center of Park City, we actually have 1,100 families, households that come through both our pantries in Heber and in Park City a month. And on top of that, we do um, snacks and backpacks, which is community members filling backpacks with food and not just food, but they actually touch a paper that has hearts on it and they put love on it as a reminder they're putting love from the community into these bags for children to take home on the weekend so they have meals um, because that's where a lot of children and families go hungry is on the weekends where they don't have yeah. school lunch school breakfast um, in a way you think okay school back in person that can help but then the drop off on the weekends yes and um, we also fill the gap by going to low-income apartments and um, general uh, community spaces to do mobile food pantries some pop-up pantries yeah and what's the response there and what how, how has it changed over time it's um, it's great to have because when we have low-income families where it's a single mom working two or three jobs, she doesn't have the ability to go to the pantry at our 11 to 4 o'clock hours. Yeah. So being able to take the pantry to her where her children can actually go and make that connection and not just make a connection to get some food, but a community connection outside. And, you know, the conversation around why should we do that, I, I, I feel like we're pitted against each other so often on what we're willing to pay for or do for other folks, whether it's with our tax dollars or with our, our nonprofits and our charitable organizations and civic organizations and, and churches. And here you are working in the trenches and that conversation is <laughs> irrelevant. You just want to get the work done. Yeah. And yeah. That, that goes into the Christian Center's mission, which is meeting people at their point of need as a sign of God's love. All right. So this Tupac song? Yes. You ready for it? Yep. Changes, and I love that it's overlaid on the Bruce Hornsby tune as well. So here we go on KRCL, Music Meets Activism. That's just the way it is. Little Tupac changes on KRCL 90.9. Haley singing along <laughs> one of the songs that Haley Hernandez picked. And Haley, part of our panel from, uh, in light of the upcoming International Youth Summit happening Saturday in West Jordan at the Viridian Center. Still time to sign up. It's for young Utahns passionate about global issues, check tonight's show notes and you'll get a link to check it out. But uh, Haley, I wanted to give the opportunity to you to talk about the websites where people can get assistance and the different organizations you, you help. 
Yes, so um, if you go on to ccofpc.org, that is the Christian Center of Park City's website, um, and our organization offers mental health support as well as basic needs support and pantry. Um, our organization is unique that we have thrift and boutique stores where community members can donate items that they no longer need um, and then we resell them and we're very blessed because the funds from that contributes to 40% of our money for our programs so we are able to help the community with that so we're very blessed for that but if you would like to get some mental health support or basic need support for anybody in Summit and Wasatch County please log on to ccofpc.org. Thank you so much, Haley. Our time has just flown by, and I know we're going to end with this next song, and I know there's a quite a story to go with it, Opai. Tell us about Further On by Bronze Radio Return. And also, um, before we play it, I'll ask a couple other questions before we say goodbye, but there's a big story to this song for you when you were a kid in y Afghanistan. Yes, that's right. Um, I was about five or six years old, and then one of the days I was taking a nap, um, and then I woke up by the cacophonous sound of a U.S. tan military tank parked on the street. So I went to the street because I was really curious to see like what the sound was um, and what was actually going on. Because I feel like, you know, for a lot of kids, they're super curious. So they want to know what's going on in their surrounding situations. So I went outside um, and there was a military guy, you know, driving the tank and just chilling there. And he was blasting this music. He was wow. blasting this the song. And I went to him and I asked, I was like, I don't like the sound of your engine because it was too loud yeah, and scary as a kid. right outside your door. Exactly. Growing up in war, a lot of the sounds, I feel like they create all kinds of different traumas. So, so I wanted to understand um, what was going on. You How know, old were you again when this happened? Five or six. Five. And you go up to the guy by the tank in full battle rattle, I'm guessing, as well. Oh, yeah. And, and then I asked him, I was like, I don't like, you know, the sound of your engine because it's too loud and I don't understand what's going on. But I vibe with your music um and i'm sure that he didn't understand you know a thing that i said because of course i i didn't speak english and i didn't, you didn't have seven languages at that point i mean i had four but but <laughs> not seven <laughs> english was not one of them what um, were the four you spoke at the age of six so it was pashto farsi hindi and urdu um but yeah so like i went to him he didn't understand and then and then after nine years um i i was able to use you know the website shazam or music identifier um and just by the rhythm of the song that i remembered you found so, so i try to like murmur you know the song a little bit and then i was able to find it and i feel like it's been the song of my life basically and i feel like the reason that i love it so much is because it stayed further on lead your way sing your song and i feel like it's so empowering because it it epitomizes the idea that being disadvantaged doesn't actually mean being unable. It's like go out and do things and break the barriers and systematic narratives that they tell you that you can't do it. You're not capable because you're not born and raised in a privileged background. And I think for me, like, you know, growing up in war, I always thought that I was the product of war. I always thought that I was the other person in the room, the extra baggage or luggage basically um until you know i i try to br break those barriers and travel the world and you know learn um about all different kinds of cultures religions and backgrounds and i added those um things to my identity and myself so hopefully i can potentially set a better 
and stronger example for the people of my age that just because someone was born in an extremely underprivileged background doesn't mean that they're not capable to graduate from college, to graduate from high school and do all these kind of things. So, well, oh, but you tell me that at the age of five, you went and knocked on the tank and said, what's going on? I think that uh, was an early sign of, of your ambition. And so um, what is it that you want to know, the three of you here, before we play Obaid's last song, Further On by Bronze Radio Return? What is it you want folks to know as young folks and the sustainability goals that you're working on and why, why they matter and why just rolling up your sleeves and getting to work is, is perhaps the answer, Muskan. Yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm with kind of the affordable and clean energy. And I think in Utah, especially, there's now an increased conversation about the climate crisis, right? It's becoming sort of like a, 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 a an issue that is meeting sort of at the middle and, and people are trying to come together to come and find solutions. Um, but I think what we're still missing in the narrative is um, sort of like the frontline communities, right? The, the communities that are being hit the hardest and the communities, um, the black, brown, indigenous communities that sort of have had the knowledge and we're not tapping into that. Um, and we're not tapping into the fact that once we make this transition into clean energy, that these, you know, indigenous folks, these black black and brown people um, are, are, may also be hit by the impacts when we make this transition, right? And so um, this piece about the affordable clean energy is really, really important um, and making sure that it's accessible for these communities and that when we transition off, the, you know, these communities that are kind of working within um, these energy forms, that when they are, um, when we're transitioning, we're keeping them in mind and are, are replacing it with something that and is involved, sustainable right? yeah, and is regenerative. Yeah. Excellent. And Haley, what is it you want folks to know? Um, I would really like folks to include individuals with um, lived experience and not just pass people on the streets, but actually look at them, talk to them, and get to know them. Um, there's so many councils and different organizations that are doing the work to support the homelessness um, that's happening and end it, but what's not happening is those voices are not being heard at the table. Yeah. There's not a seat for them to talk about their experience and to have a choice in what's happening with homelessness in Utah. All right, so it's time to play this song. You pretty much uh, had uh, the last word before we went around here, so let's just get to it, shall we? Let's do it. All right, further on, Bronze Radio Return. Thank you, everyone, for coming in. Really appreciate it. Check tonight's show notes, folks, for links to the organization and the summit. I'm Laura Jones. This has been Radioactive, and let's get further on. KRCL. KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL's record sales season is coming to a close this Saturday at the Downtown Farmer's Market from 8 to 2 p.m. in Pioneer Park. If you can believe it, we'll still have brand new fresh vinyl to put out for this sale. We still have Dylan, we still have the Talking Heads, lots of 80s records, lots of blues records, and as always, lots of Judy Collins. This is the final sale of the season, so everything must go. Visit carecl.org for all the details.